Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. We hope today's message encourages, inspires, and empowers you to follow after Jesus like never before. Before we get into today's teaching, I want to invite you to join us live at one of our services at any of our three campuses in West Virginia, or join us as we stream live online. For more information or to save your seat at one of our services, visit our website, iheartchurch.online. Now let's check out today's message. So we've been in a series over the past couple weeks called The King is Coming. And last week we looked at the story of uh, the Christmas story and we looked at it from Mary's perspective and, and, uh, how the, and we talked about how the king comes through us, that God chooses to partner with humans. And, and, and Mary had to make herself available to God for this, this miracle to take place through her. There were many times that, you know, that, uh, and we talked about how we have to make ourselves available to God. It's not about our ability, it's about our availability. And the same way that the Spirit of God came upon Mary and made it possible for someone who was not married and had never been with a man to have a baby, that the Spirit of God can come upon us to be able to do things that we normally wouldn't be able to do in our own strength. And we talked about last week how many times people will make excuses about things. You know, Mary even did, uh, the minute that the angel told her what God had saw in her, said she was perplexed by the greeting that she received, and then she was wondering how, she even asked the angel, how can this be? Since I've never known a man, I'm not married, I've never been with a man, how can this be? And then God just answered the question and instructed to her that it's not about you and what you can do, it's about my spirit and working in you. And we talked last week about moving past some of the excuses that we may make and and different men and women in the Bible who had to move past things and step into the calling of God. And, you know, yesterday when I was looking at this story and just praying about what I would share this morning, uh, I started looking at just reading over the two Christmas stories again, and there's one part of the story that we kind of uh, ignore, even uh, when, in, <clears throat> when my grandpa used to have Christmas Eve service and we would read the Christmas story from both sections, he didn't read this one particular part of the Christmas story, and it's the genealogy of Christ, and we're going to look at that today. Because I think many people, last week when we started talking about excuses and things, many people instantly started making excuses about, well, you know, I know somebody who had, a, who may have been raised in church and may just have a little bit of fear or may not have a, a certain type of gift or whatever, then God can use them. But you don't know about me. You don't know how crazy I was. And you don't know how crazy my family is. Like, is, is there anybody got a little dysfunction in their family down there on the family tree? It just, you got a little bit of crazy in there. And I think a lot of times we look at different families and we see like they're raised in church and, and they've been, you know, they've got good Christian families and everything. And we just assume, well, those people who are raised in good Christian homes, yes, God can do something with them. But we look at our lives, and the enemy comes in, and he's, he's like, you know, you may be a first-generation Christian. We have any first-generation Christians in here? Like, you look back at your family tree and parents and grandparents, and they, they weren't serving God. And so a lot of times, the enemy will even try to hold that over your head, that because of what your family was known for before, that you're not going to be able to be used for God because that he'll, he'll try to t- talk to you about, like, 
you're just like your dad, or he'll, he'll start pointing out all the negative things that are in your family and about how you can't be used. But when you look at the genealogy of Christ, Jesus had a little bit of dysfunction in his family line too. When you think about the way that he chose to come, he didn't come to a church-going family that were all in ministry and a fifth-generational pastor or priest or, or anything like that. He came to a family that had a lot of dysfunction. I think that's part of the reason why the, the genealogy is actually listed in Scripture is so that we can see the family line of where he came from. I know there's historical context to prove, and you know, all of those things as well. But I think sometimes when you know somebody else has been where you are and has overcome that, it gives a little bit of faith to us to believe that God can do the same thing in us. And so we're going to look at a part of the Scripture that if we're honest, a lot of times when we hit these things, we just read over it like, so and so we start looking for the list to end. Come on, we have anybody who's honest? Like when you get in, it's like, there we go. I knew all those people who had a grin on their face. They were guilty of it. So we're going to look at it, and I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to kind of read it like you do in your Bible. Because if I didn't, we would be here forever trying to go through this whole genealogy and everything. Matthew chapter 1 Verse 1, let's look at it. It says, this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah, and Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar. And Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron of Ram, and Ram of Abinadab, and Abinadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon of Salmon, and Salmon of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz by Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, Jesse the father of David. David was the father of Solomon, Solomon uh, by the wife Uriah. And Solomon was the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam was the father of uh, Abijah, Abijah was of Asaph, Asaph was of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat was of Joram, Joram was of Uzziah. <sighs> Uzziah was of Jotham, Jotham was of Ahaz, Ahaz was of Hezekiah, Hezekiah of Manasseh, Manasseh of Amos, Amos of Josiah, Josiah of Jeconiah, and, and his brothers by the time. And these were the ones before the deportation to Babylon. But we're not done yet. It's not over after they, they were deported from Babylon. We got a whole nother string here. So let's go through this. And after the deportation to Babylon, you had Jeconiah was the father of Shiltil, and Shiltil was Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel of Abihud, and Abihud of Elikim, and Elikim of Hazar, and Hazar of Zadok, and Zadok of Achim. Come on, you got to catch up with me back there. And Achim of Elihud, and Elihud of Eleazar. Eleazar was the father of Mathen, and Mathen the father of Jacob, and Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, who Jesus was born who is called the Christ. Thank you very much. We got through all the names. Now, as we read through some of the names, some of you who have read your Bible before, hopefully some of you have read your Bible, including the Old Testament in your Bible, because the majority of those names were all from the Old Testament, except for uh, 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 Joseph and, and Jesus. Those were the only two that were in the New Testament there. But when you look through that, you probably recognize some names. One of the first names that you recognized off of the list real quick was probably Abraham. You know, Abraham, we all, you know, in Sunday school, we sung, sang the song, Father Abraham had many sons. 
And many sons had Father Abraham. Come on, we got some Sunday school kids in here. There we go. And so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. We're not going through all the motions. And Abraham in the Bible is referred to, he was a man of God. He was a chosen man of God. He, he left his hometown, but Abraham had a little bit of dysfunction in himself. Abraham slept with his wife's handmaiden to have a son. Like, let me, let me just modernize this a little bit, okay? This would be like Melody coming to me and saying, hey, this is my personal assistant. You sleep, sleep with her so that we can have a child. How many of you would be attending this church today? <clears throat> I didn't think so. That's dysfunctional, but sometimes when we read it in the Bible, we just overlook it like it's nothing. And then not only that, but on two occasions, Abraham told people, this isn't my wife, this is my sister, because he was afraid for his own life. And if God hadn't stepped in, then his wife may have been taken by other kings because of his lie about his own wife. That's a little bit crazy. And then you get Jacob who sold his brother's birthright and blessing and, and they deceived uh, uh, and stole Esau's birthright. Then you got Judah. Now Judah was Joseph's older brother. Judah was one of the brothers who was going to kill Joseph until Reuben said, no, no, let's not kill him. Let's throw him in a pit because Reuben was going to come save him. But Judah and them were like, nah, we're going to get something off this kid. And he sold his brother into slavery. Now, I know some of you older brothers and sisters may have wanted to sell your younger siblings into slavery, but you didn't do it because that's just crazy. And then you have a couple women that are mentioned in there, and I think some of the women that are mentioned in there, Ruth was a very virtuous woman, and, and you can see like the, it, she's kind of being rewarded for her faithfulness to Naomi and everything, but some of the other women that were mentioned in the, the genealogy of Jesus, they, they weren't holy women. Tamar, her husband died. It was Judah's, Judah's uh, daughter-in-law, and, and Judah was supposed to let her marry one of his other sons, but Judah refused, so she came up with a plan. I'm going to uh, pretend like I'm a prostitute, and I'm going to let my father-in-law come into me so that I can have a baby. Come on, how many of you know this is messed up? Feels like we're talking like a Jerry Springer family reunion type thing going on. Pretends to be a prostitute, has two sons. Like, this, this is crazy. Rahab is mentioned there. And the time when you see Rahab is in Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2, uh, the, the uh, two spies that went into Jericho to spy out Jericho, some for some reason went to a prostitute's house. And guess who the prostitute was? Rahab. And Rahab tied the red cord around the... Some of y'all are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Read your Old Testament. There's, they're in there, the stories, Joshua. She was a prostitute. David, David was a mighty man of God. He killed Goliath, right? Yeah, but he also killed a man after he slept with his wife. He committed adultery. He, he, had, he conspired to commit murder to have the thing covered up. Solomon, his son, had a thousand wives and concubines. 
and then begin to lead the nation of Israel, all these wives and concubines that he bring in, brought in all the idolatry and everything to the nation of Israel. Then Ahaz is listed there, and Ahaz, the Bible describes him as one of the worst kings that Israel ever had. Y'all may have known his wife, Jezebel. Y'all remember the story of Elijah. When, it, when Elijah went and prophesied that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years, King Ahaz was the king at that time. And him and his wife were, were evil, evil leaders. So if they had this much, they had murderers, they had adulterers, they had prostitutes, they had evil kings, they had idolaters, they had, they, they had uh, polygamists, they had all of these things. Why would Jesus still come into this family? Wouldn't they be eliminated? Like, we would eliminate them from ministry today. We would look, no, no, you, you came from the wrong side of the tracks. I'm sorry, but you, I mean, you can be an usher in the church, or you can work out as a parking lot attendant, or you can, you can be a janitor in the church, or, or you can do something like that, but there, there's no way that you can step up here and lead worship. There's no way that you can lead a ministry. There's no way that you can get up there and begin to preach because you, you, you just don't have the right genealogy. And that's exactly what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees would literally carry their genealogies around with them so that they could brag about their spiritual heritage that they had. And yet Jesus didn't come through a squeaky clean family history. He came through a dysfunctional family history for one simple reason. Because God said he would. God made two covenants. If you looked at the very beginning of that, that passage that we read in, in Matthew, it says, this is the genealogy of Abraham, uh, uh, of Jesus, the son of Abraham, the son of David. Why did he name those two people? Because God made covenant with those two people. We, God made the Abrahamic covenant. And in the Abrahamic covenant, remember he took him out multiple times and he said, look at the stars and see if you can count the stars. This is how many children that you're going to have. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a mighty nation. And through you, all the world will be blessed. Well, what was he talking about? He was talking about Jesus. He was talking about the plan of a Savior being born into the world that, that later would be quoted that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That the world could be blessed, that the world could find freedom, that the world could find healing, that the world could find salvation in Jesus through the line of Abraham. Then he made a promise with David. And the Davidic covenant was simply this, that David would always have a descendant upon the throne of Israel. And through the entire line, even when the nations divided, there was always someone from the, the, the family of, of, of David that sat on the throne in Judah for that period of time until it came when Jesus would be born and then Jesus would be crowned King of kings and Lord of lords and stay on the throne of heaven forever. He made a promise to Abraham and David that he was going to come through this. And God is true to his word. He's true to his promises. What he promised you, he will perform. And it's not based on your performance. 
It's not a conditional thing. For some of you, there are things that God has spoken to you, things that God has promised you about salvation, about future ministry, about things like that. And I think if anything, this shows us that it's not based on all the things aligning right. If God, what he said was his will, he will bring it to pass no matter what because he's faithful to his word. But the thing that we realize too is that the calling, if you go all the way back to Abraham, the calling wasn't just on Abraham. The calling was on his family. He went to Abraham and he said, I'm gonna make you a mountain nation. You're gonna have sons and daughters. And through your family, all of the nations will be blessed. Not through you. Because if it was through Abraham, Abraham died early. I mean, he, he died before all the blessing and everything began to unfold. And then God even seconded it with, with Isaac. And he told Isaac the same thing, that he had the calling and what he wanted to do. He even had Jacob. You remember when Jacob was at the, the uh, he was resting in the wilderness, hiding from Esau. He came to Jacob and he told him again, I made a promise with, with Abraham. And this is the promise. If you will serve me, then you will walk and then you will inherit this blessing. It was a family calling that God wanted to change generations from that point forward. To begin to bring blessing. You see, a lot of times we hear about generational curses. We see a, a grandfather being an alcoholic, and then the father being an alcoholic, and then the child beginning to struggle with alcoholism and, or drug addiction or, or sexual addiction or whatever it may be. And many times we focus so much on generational curses, but can I tell you something? A generational blessing is far greater than a generational curse. And the blood of Jesus is strong enough to break any generational curse that has been placed on your generational line. God didn't want to just change Abraham's life. God wanted to establish something with Abraham that would change future generations throughout. And it's the same way today. God doesn't just call a man in the ministry or something. God calls and puts an anointing on that entire family to continue ministry and to do things. God works in families, not just individuals. I think it's very important that we realize that because there's many men and there's books and things like, there's a book called God's Generals about some of the greatest men of God who accomplished amazing things for the kingdom of God, but their families hated them. Their families didn't like them. There was so much dysfunction because the man is running in one direction in ministry and the family is all left behind, tucked away, but God calls the family to be together. God calls the family to advance the kingdom and God caused the family to, for people to begin to walk in generational heritage and passing those things on from generation to generation and bring blessing. And see, here's the thing. Some of you may still be, but I don't, I don't have the spiritual heritage that's been passed down. Well, maybe God's trying to call you today to begin it. You can sit and look at your past as an excuse as to why you can't move forward and why your family can't ever be a ministry family or why your family can't make a difference or anything. But your past or your family's past does not hinder your family from being able to have the future that God planned. 
And it's the same way that even though in between Abraham, Abraham had some faults and failures, and David had some faults and failures, but all through that line, you see some dysfunction, you see some things that are going on there, but God still chose to use this family. Because through it all, God told us that when we come to him, that he makes all things new. So no matter what's in your personal past, no matter what's in your family history, it doesn't dictate your future. When the king comes, he comes to make all things new. He comes to set a new precedence. He comes to set a new uh, standard for your family and things moving forward. And that's why, parents, it's so important that you don't make excuses, well, I'm too old or I've missed the opportunity or I haven't done or whatever. But right now, you accept the call of God. Yes, God is calling me in to, to, to be a difference maker. God has an anointing that I can use. There's people that I can use. And I, I want Christ to be the center of my home. Don't make excuses for the past but make a declaration and determination for the future that it doesn't have to be this way. And I'm telling you, God will make all things new. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, he said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All the old things have been passed away, and behold, the new has come. But you know what? He doesn't even just stop there. He talks about what the new looks like. In verse 18, it says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So he brought you to Christ, not so that you can make it to heaven one day, but that, so that you could become a part of the ministry of reconciliation. If I said, how many people feel like they're called in the ministry? You may see a few hands go up, but if you look at what this scripture says, it says that every believer whose past has been washed away and everything has been made new has been given the ministry of reconciliation. And then he describes what it is he says that he reconciled that and that is that in Christ he was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them but entrusting us with the message of reconciliation so therefore we are ambassadors you know what ambassadors do they live in a foreign nation and they speak on behalf of their kingdom or their government so an ambassador in the UN in New York will live from another nation. Their citizenship is of another nation. And they speak in a foreign land on behalf of their king, which is exactly what the Bible teaches. We are not citizens of this world. Our kingdom is not of this world. We are here as ambassadors of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And God has called every single one of us into the role of ambassadors to speak on behalf of our king. God is making his appeal to the world through us. And we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. And for our sake, he made him who knew no sin 
He made him sent to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You want to know what the will of God is for your life? For you to be an ambassador who reconciles other people to Jesus. You to be reconciled to him so that you can reconcile other people to him. So that his kingdom will be built right here on earth. Some of you, we can't fathom that. We start making excuses instantaneously about all the reasons why. But I'm, I'm not, I can't speak. I'm, a, I'm an introvert. I'm a, I, I, you know, I, I just, I don't like people. That might have been who you were before. But if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. And he makes all things, say all things. That means all those things that you thought were broken and defective and wrong, he made them all new. Because he doesn't call you to do something he's not going to equip you with. He's not going to empower you to be able to do. Abraham... It was an impossibility for him to even have a son. He had already, they had tried for years. His wife was barren. She's 90 years old. And gives birth to a son. The Bible even says when Sarah's reproductive health was as good as dead. Like this is like. Even the Bible says, physically, there's no way this possibly could happen. But when she held on to what God spoke to her, a year later, she's holding her baby in her arms. Mary, physically, it couldn't happen. There's no way. I can't, I can't have a baby. I've never known a man. How am I supposed to have a baby? The biology of it doesn't add up. But yet this teenage girl gives birth to the Savior of the world. I think it's interesting that it starts with a man who is 100 years old, who has a wife that is 90 years old, and it seems like there's no possible way because of their age. They're too old to do this. There's so many people that are being lied to by the enemy saying, you're too old, your time is gone, leave it to the young folks, let them do this, let them lead the way, you just cheer them all. But I'm telling you, that's a lie from the enemy. Abraham could have told him, go to some young person and tell them, let them be a blessing to the nations. Even the first time that God spoke to him, he was 75 at that point. He was not a young man at the point of his calling. But yet what God spoke to him that seemed impossible became a reality when he began to take the steps of faith that God told him to do as he went. Was he perfect along the way? No, he made mistakes along the way. But God had spoken a promise and he was going to bring it to pass. And then at the other end of the spectrum, at the end of the genealogy of Jesus, you have a teenage girl. And most people believe was in between 12 and 15 years old. 
that a lot of times we don't even, a girl in that culture and everything wasn't somebody who was highly valued. They were kind of a commodity. They were a lot of times sold as property and changed out as property and things. They had no say-so in a, you know, no right to vote, no nothing like that. And especially a young girl. But yet God said, you know what? What they say is impossible because she believed. And she said, let it be unto you as you have spoken. It became a reality. So what's that say? Whether you're old or you're young, if you'll just believe what God's speaking to you, God can work the impossible through us. And isn't that what he said he would do in the last days? In Joel, there was a prophecy. And then in Acts chapter 2, when Peter steps out and the power of the Holy Spirit comes and he speaks out and he begins to speak the word, he recounts the prophecy that the prophet Joel said. And it's in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. In the last days, it shall be. Say, it shall be. You know what that means? It means it has been determined. This is what I am going to do. Not it might be. This is a word from God that was spoken in the Old Testament, that was confirmed in the New Testament, so it's established in, in, as, as truth that needs to be there. God declares, not Joel, not Peter, God himself says this, I will pour my spirit out on all flesh, your sons and your daughters. What's that family relation? Your kids, not just your male kids, your sons and your daughters. They will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. There's no ageism, whether you're young or whether you're old. The call of God is the same. Be an ambassador. Step out in my calling. Be who I've called you to be. I don't care about your past. I care about your future. Receive what I'm speaking to you and watch what I would do through you. Will you just say, let it be unto you, unto me as you said it, or are you going to still make excuses? Even your male servants and your female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. What's that? Your entire household. Your dog will be anointed. Your, your, Anybody who works for you, anybody connected to you, I'll pour my spirit out on them and I'll bless them. The king is coming. He's coming to you so that he can come through you. Will you accept the call or will you make excuses? Will you accept the call or will you just turn it away? God is calling us to a church to be men and women whether we're young or whether we're old, that we begin to believe God for the impossible because with God, all things are possible. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and share. For more content, to connect with us, or if you'd like to support this ministry by giving, visit our website, iheartchurch.online. We love you and have a great day.